to the Lucid Dreamer podcast, where I bring you your daily dose of daydream. Before we jump into the actual material, allow me to introduce myself and this podcast. I am the Lucid Dreamer, and I'm a writer and aspiring author. I like to write short stories based on ideas that come to me throughout my daily life. Within this podcast, I will read to you the said ideas to bring you entertainment in the form of audio short stories. I visit a variety of genres, but my home is within science fiction. Here I can read my ideas to you, receive feedback, for example what you like, don't like, or what you would like me to build upon, and in return you enjoy yourself, or at least that is the hope. This is the very first episode, so if you are listening to this, please bear with me as I am a newbie within the podcasting world and I am just getting my feet wet. And with that out of the way, allow me to introduce today's story, Scavenger. Scavenger is an idea that I had when I was experiencing writer's block and writing fatigue from the novel I am currently working on. I had been watching a lot of people play a well-known looting shooting video game titled Escape from Tarkov in my free time. I decided to take themes from that game and build my own world to dabble in. After writing for a few days, here is what I managed to create. I present to you my short story, Scavenger. Roger's arm trembled from fatigue. He took his hand off the front of his carbine and let it hang for a bit, still maintaining his aim on the door with his other hand. He heard a gunfight just minutes ago inside this warehouse and did not want to walk into another one. All he needed to do was find the various computer components and bug out. There was no need for any more confrontation than he'd already had. His arm felt rested enough to replace his grip on his weapon and begin the entry into the now quiet warehouse. He took a moment to wait and listen. No footsteps, no click clacks from a firearm, no wounded gasps or painful shrieks. Just silence. It took Roger back a bit. How could some place go so eerily quiet in a matter of moments after such an explosive encounter? Trying his best to suppress the tumult of nerves building up inside of him, he pulled the magazine out from his rifle, paid attention to the weight it brought to his hand, and looked inside at the cartridges, almost full. He remembered the life he had to take at the beginning of his insertion with just a few touches to the trigger. He shoved the morbid thought of him killing another human away like the magazine he shoved back in its place. He needed everything in his mind to be focused on the here and now. He closed the small gap to the door and looked through the small square window. Dark concrete with some wet spots, a few chains hanging from various beams on the ceiling, metal barrels scattered around the flooring, and metal shipping containers. He looked around for an office of some kind, somewhere that might look like it would house a computer. His eyes elevated from ground level to the catwalks above him. There on the opposite side of the warehouse sat some windows close to the catwalk. A rusty desk fan peeked through the dirty window, telling Roger that it used to be some sort of manager's office. That must be where a computer is, he thought, remembering the intel he had received just the other night. He took a deep breath in, let it out, switched his weapon from safe to semi, then began creeping the door open. He took a couple steps in and swept his weapon across the first floor of the warehouse in a single, clean motion. Clear. He brought his weapon up to the catwalks and made the same sweeping motion. Clear. He switched his weapon back to safe, brought his weapon to high ready, and continued walking around on the flooring. 
He scanned the area for a way up to the office and saw a conveniently placed cluster of shipping containers and crates. Up we go, he thought. He trotted over to the gaggle of large sturdy boxes and monkeyed his way up. Once setting his feet on the catwalk, Roger took a moment to perform one more sweep from his newly acquired vantage point. He spotted one door on the catwalk leading outside, open slightly. Roger made a mental note of that as he crept along the catwalk towards the office. With the large window and the old fan close at hand on his left side, Roger fidgeted with the rifle, properly seating it into his shoulder. Aiming through the dot sight, he crept slowly around the edge of the window, pieing the corner as the scav instructors once called it. Slowly but surely, the room revealed itself to Roger. He noted every characteristic in detail. Window to the outside. One more step. Desk. Old papers. Old rolling chair. One more step. Filing cabinet. Old TV atop that. He paused, eyes fixated on some anomalies. Large window with bullet holes and a fresh pool of blood. Roger switched his weapon back to semi and continued clearing the room. Another desk, an old monitor, but no computers. One more step, a boot, fatigue bottoms, broken glass, and more blood. One more step. The room was now very close to all the way clear. Just one more step and everything would be shown to him except the underbelly of the fan-clad desk closest to the window. He took that final step, snapping his laser sight to the newly revealed, fully geared man collapsed in the far left corner. Roger stopped and waited a few seconds to see if the man would move. No movement could be found anywhere on the man's body. Roger crouched, then crept through the door. Mindful of each step, he took one last look at the body, then focused his attention on the underbelly of the desk. Pieing that corner, he easily cleared the desk. Empty. There wasn't a single detail of the space in that room that Roger did not know. Now to find out about the man. He could only see the pale eyelids through the balaclava opening as he approached. A military-grade helmet sat awkwardly as it was pressed against the concrete with the weight of its wearer. A chest rig, stacked to the brim with mostly empty pouches, sat on his torso. The olive-green combat fatigues had blood soaked through them. The man had been picked clean. No weapons were on him, no ammunition, no food, no backpack. Roger felt for a carotid pulse underneath the fabric of the mask. Nothing. He was gone. It looked like there were plenty of holes in the man to break through whatever ballistic plates he had in his chest rig. Whoever this guy was, Roger thought, he put up a fight. As a sign of respect, he gripped the shoulder straps on the man and laid him flat on his back. He clasped the hands together over the chest and placed the helmet over the face. Rest in peace, my friend. You fought well, he whispered. Returning his attention to the task at hand, Roger scanned the area for a computer. Empty electronic shells in a pile underneath one desk told Roger that whatever had been inside the computer husks was removed. Letting out a large sigh, he re-gripped his rifle and exited the room, still wary of the hole-ridden window. Looking back at the open door down the catwalk to his left, he made the decision to follow that trace of possible human existence and see where it went. Maybe it'll lead to the one who killed this scavenger, he thought. 
Standing straight and swiftly treading across the catwalk, he approached the door and pulled it open. The outdoors and another catwalk revealed itself, connecting to the adjacent warehouse. Roger walked to the right, then to the left inside of the warehouse, taking in the outdoor surroundings without revealing himself. He knew this catwalk was one of the most opportunistic places for whoever killed this man to strike. He didn't know how many others were there scavenging, and many scavengers didn't like to play nice. As evidenced by the recently made dead body found just moments ago, Roger knew someone was here. He just needed to figure out where. He made up his mind to dash across the catwalk. Shutting down the nerves in his brain, Roger dug his feet into the ground and exploded into a run. Clanking his boots across the catwalk, he quickly began closing the gap with each step. Snap! Sparks flew from the left side railing. Roger flinched but continued forward. Adrenaline dumped through his body. Snap! A quick whistle flew overhead. Roger lowered his shoulder and threw himself at the closed door with all his might. It's a good thing he did. The bolt keeping the door locked flew from its place and Roger tumbled inside along with the old door. Glass rained on him from above as another snap and whistle slammed through a nearby window. Whoever this was, they were a persistent shooter who didn't seem to miss very often. Roger was getting lucky. Rolling over to his stomach, he crawled along the catwalk. More snaps, more whistles, more sparks, more glass. Bullets were punching holes in the tin walls, putting bits of metal into flight. Roger breathed heavily. Dragging your own body weight, body armor, ammunition, and a rucksack was no easy task. The snaps and sparks were a little bit behind him now, and finally, after what seemed to be a lifetime, the snaps stopped. Probably reloading. Does this guy have any worry about conserving ammo? Roger gaffed in his mind. He waited and listened in silence, not moving a muscle, deliberately focusing on his hearing to pick up any anomalies. An unusual rustle in the bushes, the crisp clank of a bolt being released, or even the soft thump of a boot on grassy dirt. Roger checked his watch. Eight minutes had gone by since the shots had been fired. He continued his earful scan. A gust of wind had come in, moving the nearby trees outside into a bustling frenzy. Then he picked up something. A familiar click. His head snapped behind him at the tin wall with the bullet holes, then to the window above it. It came from right below that window. Roger cycled what that click could have been through his mind. He knew he'd heard that sound before, but couldn't recall what it was. The switching of safe to semi, the cautious racking of a pistol, the drop of a magazine, the pin of a grenade, the pin of a grenade. Someone had just pulled a pin off a grenade. Roger gazed in half-awe, half-disbelief as a military-grade flashbang landed perfectly on the catwalk. He turned away from the device and closed his eyes. Bang! His hearing immediately turned into a high-pitched squeal. Turning on his side, Roger trained his carbine at the bottom floor some 20 feet below him and waited, straining his eyes and sweeping them across the various openings. Then, through the small metal holes in the catwalk webbing, Roger spotted a bulky silhouette swiftly gliding into the now-open doorway. The silhouette of the weapon pointed straight up at the catwalk, where the bullet holes riddled the wall. Roger didn't hesitate. He put the red dot of his laser sight over the silhouette through the catwalk and squeezed the trigger. 
Sparks erupted right in front of him as the bullets traveled through the metal grating to their target. The rifle rattled back and forth in his shoulder, releasing multiple hot cartridges onto the gun. This was the first time Roger had shot a weapon whilst not hearing it at all. The high-pitched squeal from the flashbang still filled his hearing entirely. The silhouette stiffened, then became a dark lump on the floor. Roger picked himself up off the catwalk and continued training his weapon on the newly formed lump, waiting for any sign of life or violence. For what seemed like forever, Roger watched the body. Not a single move was made. Finally deciding to approach it, the still-deaf Roger descended the ladder and retrained his carbine on the lump. In full view was what scavengers called a vulture. As the name would suggest, vultures are those who pick the dead clean. They go into locations that knowingly contain valuable materials with the intent of killing and looting scavengers who picked up loot, letting others do most of the dirty work. Vultures usually came from the harshest communities that descended into maddening brutality. Roger's community didn't have any vultures and didn't allow any to enter. At least some form of humane government survived where he was raised. His scavengers didn't stoop to that level of animalistic behavior as the vultures did. They lived by their scavenger code. Only kill if your life is in danger, or if it could be in danger from a perceived threat. Once that threshold is crossed, it becomes a game of survival of the fittest. Who is the best shot? Who has the best gear? Who has the most ammunition? Who has the highest rate of fire? And who has the strongest will to live? Roger has encountered a few, but not like this one. He was dressed in all black with a helmet and thick Kevlar armor covering his torso, neck, shoulders, and groin. This was top quality military gear. No other vulture Roger saw had been kitted out as this man was. A balaclava and dented goggles concealed the face from him, and Roger was grateful for that. He never liked seeing the faces of the dead. No matter how many times he'd seen it, it always unsettled him, especially when he was the cause of it. Roger let that thought fade out as he slowly walked toward the body, ears still ringing. He kicked it with his boot and waited. Nothing. He stooped over and felt for the carotid artery for a pulse. This vulture was dead as a doornail. Forgetting that his gunfire made noise due to his temporary deafness, Roger hadn't done a final check on the other entrances to the warehouse to make sure nobody was going to jump in and kill him too. Finally remembering... Roger swept his carbine with his eyes all around the warehouse, straining to see the faintest sign of human activity. Absolutely nothing. Returning his attention back to the vulture, Roger kneeled beside the corpse and began going through the dead man's treasure, searching for valuables. Usually vultures were wild-looking men with crazy brutal eyes and makeshift loadouts. They didn't show up as cool, calm, and calculated as this one did. And with a flashbang? That was the scariest part. How much did you have to pay for that? Roger thought, still gawking at the incredible gear this man had. A black Russian Kalashnikov-style rifle fully equipped with a suppressor, foregrip, flashlight, laser, and a dot sight with a magnifier. He had never seen this rifle before. He had seen Kalashnikovs, but not like this one. Plenty of magazines and spare 545 by 39 millimeter rounds were placed neatly in pouches on the rig. A couple of military-grade frag grenades, another flashbang, a radio, and a first aid kit revealed themselves in other pouches. This all was on the vest. Roger hadn't even opened the pristine black backpack yet. Unzipping the largest pouch, he peeled the outer skin back and beheld the pack's contents. 
boxes of extra ammunition, various kinds of pressure bandages, gauze, tourniquets, some dried fruit, and a couple bottles of water. Roger was impressed at the quality of everything. Nothing looked used or improvised. Everything looked fresh, new, and pristine. That one word kept coming back to him. Pristine. Rezipping the pouch, he moved on to the other sites on the pack, rummaging through the side pouches and smaller zipper pouches. Roger hit the jackpot. On the left side pouch, he managed to pull out a large handful of computer components. Juggling in his gloved hand, he beheld a CPU, hard drive, a couple of processors, and in a plastic bag rested a 9-inch by 9-inch motherboard. Roger's heart took a mild jolt of excitement as he smirked. The smirk disappeared as he noticed something hanging out of the recently vacated side pouch. A dog tag. He reached for the tag and read the name of its owner. Tyvin Stratford. 367-6545. People's Community of Highland. Scavenger. Turning his gaze back up to the busted door, he barged through almost a half hour ago. Roger remembered the recently killed scavenger he encountered in the offices of the other warehouse. This vulture probably heard him rummaging about, hit him with a few shots from his rifle, then went from his perch to finish the job. Roger shook his head and returned his gaze to the piece of metal in his hand. Shoving it deep into his front pant pocket, it clanked against another dog tag. Roger winced remembering the man whose draw wasn't fast enough for Roger's trigger finger. This was a new high for Roger. Two kills during a run in the sector was unheard of for him. The other scavs are going to raise an eyebrow or two at him. Maybe they'd think he had become an infamous, rare hunter instead, going into the sector with the intent of tracking and killing specific individuals whom the order of the hunt deemed necessary. Roger's nose wrinkled. The idea of a group telling you who to kill with no information as to why troubled him. Why should I let someone tell me who I should kill? Roger shook his head, placed the loot back in its respective pouches, and removed the pack off the corpse. His meager, almost empty rucksack was much smaller and grungier than this high-quality pack, so he stuffed it inside the ladder and threw it all on his back. Finishing up his looting session, Roger returned the man to his back then shoved the black magazines and grenades from the chest rig into his pant cargo pockets and slung the black Kalashnikov over his shoulder. He made one last reach at the corpse to pull the dog tag off and know the name of this would-be killer. Roger's heart stopped cold. Reaper. 692-470. Hunter. He couldn't believe it. Hunters really did exist. He thought he believed in them before this very moment, but realized to him they were just phantoms. Now they had become a living sleep paralysis apparition, a nightmare in broad daylight. A slew of questions arose in Roger's mind. Was this hunter only after me, the both of us, or just the other scavenger? Was that all a part of the hunter's plan? Kill the scavenger, lure me to the outdoor catwalk, then pick me off there? And finally, if I was the target of this strange man, what did I do to draw the attention of the order? Through the whirlpool of overwhelming thoughts, one pushed its way to the forefront. He needed to leave the sector. Knowing the gravity of what he'd just done, he needed to leave fast. Rising to full height, Roger scanned through the open doorway, then listened. His hearing was finally back, but at a limited capacity. There was still a constant annoying ringing. Luckily, the pitter-patter of rain started to drop against the tin roof, and he was distracted from the annoying ring. Then he heard a snap. Twig out and to the left of this door, he analyzed silently. 
Raising his carbine and taking another step away from the opening, Roger began to slowly pie the corner yet again, revealing more and more of the unknown outdoors with each small, silent step. Overgrown grass, bushes, and small trees made themselves known. The first was spread all over, the rest were spread sporadically up a hill some ten meters away. A rustle in the grass from the same location made its way to Roger's eardrums. Someone was out there. A soft click was heard, and a bright flood of light raked the grass from the left side of the doorway. The soft, sneaky thump of boots against mud slowly became louder and louder. Silently maneuvering over the dead hunter, Roger placed himself in the corner immediately to the left side of the doorway, his carbine trained on the opening. The thumps were right on the other side of the wall now. Another jolt of adrenaline went through Roger's body. The small ticks of a rifle being unslung and seated into the shoulder let him know of the experience this unknown individual had. He, too, was pieing the corner. The flood of light from the flashlight slowly illuminated the fatal scene little by little as the soft shuffle of boots made their way around. In full view to the stranger was the all-black clad body of the hunter. Holy sh! The stranger harshly whispered then caught himself. Roger knew that drawl and a flood of relief swept over him. Pack! The light jerked. It's me in the corner, don't shoot! Pack cursed under his breath. Jeez, Roger just about blew lead through the wall at you. Pack turned off the flashlight and walked into the warehouse. He wore a green helmet that was cut around the ears to make room for his gray electronic headset. His favorite charcoal hoodie was tucked underneath an olive green plate carrier stacked to the brim with gear, magazines, a couple of homemade grenades, a radio with a cord running to the headset, and of course his favorite candy bar, which stuck out proudly from a magazine pouch. Jeans and knee pads were firmly fixed above a pair of work boots. The set of bright green eyes looked at the body, then back at Roger, full of disbelief. You did this? Roger nodded. Pack took off his helmet to reveal the platinum blonde, sweat-soaked hair. He walked to the other side of the body and squatted down. Was he tracking you? I, I don't know. He killed another scavenger in the warehouse over, one from Highland. I came across the catwalk and started getting shot at. With that? Pack pointed at the tacked-out Kalashnikov slung over Roger's shoulder. Roger nodded. I get this, Pack. After I ran up there, he motioned to the catwalk. He rushed me and threw a flashbang at me, a military one. My ears are still ringing from it. I knew I should have invested one of those fancy headsets. Golly. Roger rubbed his ears in annoyance. Pack looked on the body for the dog tag. Where was this guy from? See for yourself. Roger tossed the metal tag. Pack caught it in his glove and looked. The green eyes once again widened. What are they doing here? No clue, but he had the computer parts we were looking for. I've got this pack right here, so we should just get out of here. No kidding. Pack took one last look at the body, ripped off the hunter's helmet with the headset attached, and handed it to Roger. Now you won't lose more of that hearing of yours. You're going to need it. Roger took off his bulky, uncut helmet and placed the new one on his head. Adjusting the straps only slightly, it fit well. The headset was already turned on, and he was ready to go. We'll hook up the radio to it later. For now, let's just get to the pickup. I bet Finney will be there in a few minutes. Roger nodded, re-gripping his carbine. He followed Pack out of the doorway and into the newly arrived rainfall.
thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Lucid Dreamer podcast. If you did enjoy, please leave a five-star review and share this with your friends. If you'd like to share some feedback with me, please shoot me an email at thelucidreamer12 at gmail.com. Lucid Dreamer being with only one D. That is T-H-E-L-U-C-I-D-R-E-A-M-E-R-1-2 at gmail.com. I hope to see you return here soon so that I can bring you your daily dose of daydream. In the meantime, take care of yourself, and I hope you have a great day.